0: Cheers cast as part of the Fire and Water Network. Hey. Andy. Isn't it? That's right. Uh, and you're uh, Sam. Correct. What do you have, Andy? Everything in the cash register, Sam. Freeze! Uh, everybody just take it easy here. Uh, uh-uh. No, 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 no. no. Uh-huh. Let the other guy get it. Ernie so call me coach. Uh, coach. <laughs> We gotta help sharing. Well, oh, what can we do? I don't know. Maybe we can uh, jump the guy. He's not that big. The gun is big. The gun's definitely big. <laughs> Maybe Diane could run around in circles, flapping her arms, and draw his fire. Nah, <laughs> uh, Carla, you stay out of this. Me and Arnold handle it. Me? Hey, what do you want <laughs> me to do? We gotta do something. Look, trust me statistics show that 33% of the time a guy carrying a gun will not use that gun if challenged (laughs) so if he's already shot two people today you're in luck (laughs) making your way in the world today takes everything you've got taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot wouldn't you like to get away i Back to Cheers Cast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm your host Ryan Daly, and joining me for episode four of season two is my friend and fellow Fire and Water Network All Star, the host of Ohmu or Not and FW Team Up, just to name a few. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Siskoid to the show. What's up, man? It's about time. <laughs> I had somebody tell me that
1: on a podcast <laughs> lately. <laughs> Uh about being invited. Uh, Yeah, I know it's season four. Uh on my French language one. Anyway.
0: Well, uh you know what I made up for by by giving you I I think a pretty special episode. So um but before we get into that, what and how do what is your cheer's origin story? How and when did you discover it?
1: Uh as you know, I've been listening to this show since the beginning and I didn't think I would like a sitcom-related podcast necessarily, uh, especially one you know I haven't watched Cheers in decades. Uh, but it is—if it's not my favorite show on the network, uh, no, I'd be surprised. So <laughs> I, I love Cheerscast. <laughs> Every time I listen to an episode, I'm thinking, "Oh yeah, what is my Cheers origin story?" and i i can't come up with it i probably started watching it with rebecca in the ro- romantic uh role and then probably all the diane stuff was in reruns at the time and i was watching it probably every day so so i it, either i started at the very beginning or i started midstream somewhere but i i can't remember at all what my <laughs> uh my viewing practices or habits were sorry
0: no, that's fine. That's fine. You just caught up through and through osmosis, but um, you know, I I will forgive that because of how much you praised the show on the the podcast on the front end. So
1: I'm such a sucker.
0: I, I really didn't hear anything after you said that, so it doesn't matter what the origin story is. All right, um, getting into the episode that we are to cover, season two, episode four, entitled "The Homicidal Ham." The episode is written by David Lloyd, directed by James Burroughs. The original air date was Thursday, October 27th, 1983. Cheers gets a surprise visit from Andy Schroeder, the ex-con who Sam once paid to take Diane out for a date. Diane wants Sam to throw him out, but Sam insists on treating Andy like any other customer until Andy pulls out a gun and demands all of the money in the cash register. But his robbery attempt is half-hearted, and he willingly allows himself to be disarmed and captured by Sam and Carla. Andy confesses to Diane and the others that he wants to go back to prison because there are no opportunities for ex-convicts on the outside. Diane takes pity on him when she discovers that Andy has a lifelong dream to become an actor. She not only convinces Sam not to call the police, she agrees to do a scene with Andy for one of her old acting professors, in the hopes that he will pass Andy's name on to other directors. By the night of their performance, however, Andy has fallen in love with Diane, unaware that she is dating Sam. When he catches the two of them kissing, Andy becomes insanely jealous. During their performance of The Strangulation of Desdemona from William Shakespeare's Othello, Andy's rage overtakes him and he tries to legitimately murder Diane in front of the audience. But Sam and the others realize it's not part of the show, just in time to save Diane. So, <laughs> based on that premise, uh, you might not expect this to be a funny episode, but uh, what did you think, was it? <laughs> sure. Uh, I, you know, it's darker
1: than um, you know a lot of things, but... Andy is a dark character. He is af- After all, he committed manslaughter at best, uh, at best, because he's out. I mean, he, if he were really uh, first degree murder or even second degree murder, he would already be out and about. So um, I'm thinking it was just manslaughter. That's at least how it went down uh, in court. <laughs> and he's out after eight <laughs> years. Uh, that's possible. But yeah, uh, guys have been demented, probably had a bad lawyer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Probably should have had uh, some sort of, uh, you know, m- mental incapacity, uh, you know, insanity as a defense. Uh, because in this, he's, he's a little bit uh, Norman from Psycho. He's haunted by
0: the voices of his mother, yes. Yeah. Or, as
1: he says, his m- mother.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, um, mommy issues, you know, it's, it screws you up. So, <laughs> yes, it is dark because, I mean, Diane almost gets murdered in front of everyone. Yeah. She almost does. It, somehow it works. Just like it worked in the, the first episode he was in. And he's got he's got two more to go, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, right, he's right, got yeah. like four appearances, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Each one of them is gold, um, yeah. even when they only last like 11 seconds. But one of the uh, continuing bits is that this episode, like Andy's first appearance, which was back in the first season, Diane's Perfect Date, uh, David Lloyd uh, is the screenwriter for both of these episodes. Uh, and he earned an, an Emmy nomination for this one. Um, and yeah, it's it's... It's a dark episode. It has this like sort of dark pall to it, but um, yeah, it, it's great. It is one of those things where like if it gets this serious, but just there is something about like this character that there there's still this lovable quality about him, like where you look at him, but and, and they really sort of saw that at the beginning of the episode when he comes in. And he just kind of like surprises Diane. He's like, boo, remember me? And she like, she kind of like lets out this yelp and goes to Sam. She's like, don't you recognize him? The guy you paid to, like the murderer you paid to take me out? And Sam's like, oh yeah, how'd you remember that?
1: (laughs) Uh, This is one of the things that I like in certain sitcoms and hate in others. Uh, The idea that when the comedy is actually performed by the character – and this happens a lot in Cheers. Some mm-hmm. characters are obviously caricatures or they're funny. They're written funny, but they don't know they're funny. But I think Sam and Diane uh, specifically, uh, Cliff and Norm, they know they're funny. And a lot of the humor that they bring is diegetic, if I can import mm-hmm. that, that term from music. But it's diegetic humor. So when you've got uh you know when Sam uh, says at the, at the top of the show when uh, there you know the teaser Sam tells coach uh, that uh, Carla can't get rid of her fake belly because she's catholic <laughs> he knows he's doing a joke right right. Uh, when Diane says uh, you know later she's she she tells uh, Sam while Andy is changing uh, you know there's that bit where she tells him that she she'll need his apology in writing or whatever just the expressions. They know they're being funny. They are no, They know they're telling jokes. It's not com- like complete snark all the way through. A lot of these characters know they're doing a joke for the people around them. That's much more true to life mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. A, a character being funny because, and not knowing it. So uh, that's one of the things that I really enjoy about Cheers and about revisiting Cheers with you.
0: Yeah, and it's it is one of those things where – it, despite the fact that it seems like such a lowbrow type of situational atmosphere to be in like this Boston sports bar, the like the dialogue betrays the fact that these people are pretty clever and they are smart in their own way. And maybe that's a way that really only exists in the realm that this is a television show. Because probably people maybe in a Sam or a Norm in normal life might not have that type of cleverness and that quick-wittedness. Maybe they do but definitely for the for the purposes of the show you need them to be that fast and that quick. But conversely, the character who is funny and doesn't know it would be somebody like Coach. He's the perfect yes. example. When Andy takes out the gun, he's like all the money in the cash register, and Sam goes for it, and Andy's like, no, 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 the other guy. And Coach goes, Ernie Pantuso, but you can call me Coach. Like, he, yeah, yeah. He's going through the whole bit of – he has to introduce himself, and you can even call me by my nickname because we're close like that, even though you're holding a gun on me and making me give you money.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think his best joke in this one actually is uh, when Diane talks about her acting coach and she, she, he can spot an actor a mile away, <laughs> and he says that must come in handy at a drive-in. <laughs> you know,
0: it's a great it's a great bit, and actually you see that joke land on the rest of the cast too because they kind of take a minute to look at him as like, are you serious? <laughs> like that's well, exactly that's good, you know yeah. it's
1: people being funny and people reacting to people being funny. In real life, you know, one of the things that Cheers does is have people laugh at the jokes. Mm -hmm. They -hmm. haven't read the script. You know, I I don't think that there are a lot of sitcoms that don't do this. People say the funny line. There's the canned laughter. or I mean, there's probably an audience, but, you know, the canned laughter, as we call it. But nobody reacts to it as if it were funny. But it is. Right. So why aren't you laughing? You know, why aren't you smiling? Why aren't you uh, reacting? So Cheers feels very uh, real despite the so-called canned laughter. Well, I know it's not canned, but you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, the laughter. Yeah, no, but it, you're you're absolutely right and that's one of the a lot of the better moments you see the the like the humorous reaction when it lands on the the characters and the actors themselves when they're responding to it. That that really kind of brings a new energy and realness to the scene. Um it's good. You mentioned this yeah, the teaser so Carl walks in from the pool room with this huge sort of baby bump, and Sam says, he's like, Are you, did you get pregnant in the last five minutes? And I love her reaction. She's like, no, I could, but this is just tough stuffing because she finds that she gets more tips when she's pregnant. And that's when Coach is like, you know, you should – yeah, that's a disgrace. You should tell her to get rid of it. He's like, I can't do that, Coach. She's Catholic. And I was like, oh, nice, an abortion joke. That's kind of topical, strangely. <laughs> and it's a great use of a
1: prop that they had on hand because mm-hmm, Rhea right. Pearlman had to have that. That, that fake baby bump at the top of the season. Right, right. Yeah. She'd had her baby during the hiatus. So. <laughs> right, right.
0: So, no, it's great. And then, of course, like, she's going to see her next customer, and she gets bumped into by another customer, and the the bump, like, the stuffing just completely switches places, so it's, like, over her kidney, and she has to rearrange it in front of one of the customers. She's like, yeah, the kid's going to be a swimmer. That's <laughs> nice.
1: Great great use of the the prop, or the mm. costuming, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah.
0: So... Then we sort of have, like, the the body of the episode is really kind of broken down by, like, the, the two major set pieces when Andy comes in and this half-hearted robbery, which... Doesn't seem have right at first. I mean, he's got the gun on them, and Sam is trying to keep everybody calm. And on, on one side of the bar, you have Diane, Carla, Norm, and Cliff with their hands up, kind of whispering, muttering to each other between their teeth, trying to come up with a plan. Cliff is insisting that he and Norm do something to help him, and Norm has no desire to get off of his seat. And I love that Carla's like, maybe Diane can run around, flapping her arms and try to, to draw his fire.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's... All her suggestions in this episode are meant to get Diane killed. (laughs)
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: But it's really um, Norm and Cliff are are great in this episode. You know, a great double act, especially Norm. But you know, at the end of that sequence, it's actually Carla who uh, disarms. Well, I mean, Sam disarms them because he's letting himself be disarmed. But she's the one that you know. Puts him in a lock. She's one who
0: grabs and puts, like, puts him in like a full Nelson. She gets her arms around under his armpits and like chokes old his neck and everything. And then, yeah, one of my home runs for the moment is the way. Norman Cliff spring into action. Run now, now, now! <laughs> like after it's, it's after like the whole thing has been diffused. Because even even Coach like grabs the money off the bar, and like the whole thing is completely settled. And there's like a two second beat, and Cliff is like, "Now!"
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, so those guys have good bits all the way through.
0: Yeah, they do. They're really good. Of course, it, it'll settle, and it, Sam is like, "All right, I'm gonna go call the police," and then that's when Andy kind of says, "He's like, this whole thing was an attempt. The gun wasn't even loaded. He just wants to go back to jail because that's the only way he can he can survive. He can't make it on his own." And Diane kind of like coaxes it out of him. that you know he he's tried, but he can't find work. But he really wants to be an actor. And the other guys laugh, but of course she buys into this. And, and by the end of she goes to Sam after he's called the police, and she tells him to call off les gendarmes, and it was a fun fact. That's the only reason why I asked you to be on this episode, was that so you could translate.
1: So. <laughs> gendarmes? Uh, we don't even use those. I mean, gendarmes, yeah, I guess. Yeah, okay. uh, just I, yeah, the, I, figured, I
0: figured, yeah, it
1: means the police. I yeah, mean, of
0: course, of course. But. Yeah. So, but she – and then she has this thing. She's like, we – Mostly, I can save this man's life, and Sam's reaction is, "How are we, mostly you, going to do that?" And I just like that, and she, she kind of goes off with him, and they have this whole, you know, running gag where she now, and how does Sam even phrase? It? He's like, "Yeah, he's like a minute ago you thought the guy was Jack the Ripper, now you want to go shopping with him."
1: Yeah, yeah, and he thinks it's like a bad idea to go out with a uh, an insane person. Just he's not insane. I'm not talking about you know, I'm talking about myself. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, I'm talking about that. And we have seen this type of thing from Diane before. She has this blind spot for for people interested in the arts because back in the first season episode when there was the guy who came in who said he was a spy, he was like a British secret agent or whatever, and Carla and everybody else was buying into it, and Diane's like, Are you kidding me? He's not a spy But as soon as he came in and said that was all just a joke, I'm actually a writer, and I was just trying to put on a character and everything, but I specialize in verse, as soon as he says that, Diane is completely suckered into him. So it's sort of like she, you know, as soon as she sees Andy, when he walks in the door, she recognizes him, she's asking Sam to kick him out. But by the time he she finds out, oh, he really just wants to be an actor. She's like, "Don't call the police on him, even though he pulled a gun on us. Let me help him. Let me help him put up to put together an audition reel." So,
1: yeah, I'm not entirely sure you can uh, call off the police once you call them, think so. yeah. uh, but uh, let let's say that happened. Uh, yeah, and she's very sweet in this. Mm-hmm. I mean, she she wants to do right by this poor guy. Uh, she feels for him and for all her flaws. Diane is a good person. Right. And she wants other people to be good, and she, she wants. To, although she's completely wrong about the, the, you know, if people interested in theater must have, you know, must be uh, lovers of of man or whatever she, whatever it is. I don't remember the line exactly, but uh, no, that's that's not true. I mean. <laughs> yeah. And she – I mean (laughs) she must know it's not – I mean not not Diane, but uh, all the actors around must know that's not true. Right, (laughs)
0: right. (laughs) Just because you're a lover of theater and the arts, you must have a love for humanity and everything. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) No. (laughs) I find fault with that logic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so she takes she's taking Andy out to to go shopping, and like before he like before they leave, he tells Sam he's like I'm you know I'm I know that you're reluctant, he's like but I know you don't want me taking one of your employees out there, he's like but I promise that part of my life is over, he's like it's been years since I've heard those voices, and he's like what voice? He's like the voice that sounded like my mother, he's like but I'm I'm completely changed. and from like up the stairs you hear Diane say come along Andrew, and he's like oh and he's like listen, but they have that moment where they can then he's like oh. Oh, I see what that was. Nick can kind of laugh it off, even though Sam isn't really laughing about it. Um, we come back for the second act after the commercial break, um, and the, the everybody at Cheers is watching a boxing match. And I actually, I I was trying to look this up and see if I could find it, and I couldn't find any information. But it's clearly archival footage from an actual boxing match. But I don't know what the match was or who the who the contestants were when it was originally uh, when it was originally fought. But I just thought that would kind kind of be cool if I could track that down. Yeah, I
1: feel. I feel like all the way through the the next sequence, when they're going, "Oh, go ahead," you know, she's she'll be stalling. But uh, they're all, you know, can you just do the play? I have a feeling they're less interested in seeing the the scenes than they are in. Can this be over so that we can turn the TV on again?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> but exactly. they never say it. But I, I kind of get that feeling.
0: Yeah, no, I I picked up on the exact same thing. Um, there's a great little visual beat though um, during the during the breaks between rounds. Sam has basically set up like a little conveyor line of beers that he just kind of like pushes through, and you just see like a, a like a mechanical like wheel of people of patrons just coming around grabbing beers. Training line and just, it just keeps circling around. They go through like 20. And the joke is that Norm keeps on cutting in line and getting. So it, it's not even something that you necessarily catch the first time, but like it's, as it keeps going through, you realize, wait a minute, he's gone through this line like five times. So he keeps, so uh, that little beat there helps, uh, knock up his, uh, his tab in this episode. Four times and he just misses a fifth beer. <laughs> he just misses the fifth one and he like slaps his hand. What's a guy gotta do to get a drink around here?
1: I mean, George <laughs> Went can really down those. Uh, fake
0: beers (laughs) (laughs) not beer or whatever they call it near beer near beer I I mean he's there
1: he's in you know he's on stage he has to drink all four right right yeah unless there's like a magic trick somewhere
0: I was wondering if that was like if that would be like a promotion that the bar had, like you know, watch the the boxing match or something at Cheers and get a free beer between you know the third and fourth round or something, whatever it was. So, or, or if the if the if the fight goes you know the five rounds or something like that, then you know get a free beer between or something. Yeah. There are probably laws against that now.
1: I know in Canada there are. There really? used to be. Oh uh, well, there used to be a uh, you know bars could have. Any kind of promotion where uh, you come in, you pay, uh, you know, you get you get a glass and then you can get it refilled for 25 cents uh, a shot or whatever. Uh, eventually, here in, in New Brunswick, anyway, we got eventually there was a law that uh, you could not sell a beer or any drink under cost. Hmm. So now, you know, so it killed or it, there were like uh, packs of cards. You cut the the pack. And whatever the number on the card, that's how much you pay for a pitcher. Hmm. And uh, the most you could pay is 10. But uh, that meant that you could draw an ace and get uh, like a $1 pitcher that's like four beers. And um, I guess that's less than cost. So eventually all those promotions had to go.
0: Yeah, I don't know if that law exists in the States, because I I feel like, especially during baseball season, I'm always aware of it during baseball season, it seems like there are always promotions like that for, you know, every time a team scores a home run, or, you know, if a team is going through a drought, you know, you drink, you know, for free until the Cubs win, or something like that, Mm -hmm. it seems like something like that, but... Gosh, I don't know. I, I, maybe, maybe they uh, there's a way like the where it's like factored into offsets where they they still make a, a like a, a, a minimum to cover that. Cover. I don't know. I I, I don't yeah. know. But
1: that, pay a cover charge, you get the free beer. You get the beer. Yeah. yeah.
0: If any listener has more has like knows more about this subject, I, I'd be really curious to know know a little bit more about that. Um. So then. We go to the back of the room where uh, Diane and Andy are in the middle of rehearsing. Uh, Diane is in her costume for Desdemona. Uh, They meet the Professor DeWitt, who is Diane's former acting coach, uh, played by Severn Darden, uh, who has over 100 credits in movies and TV uh, on IMDb. He appeared in two of the Planet of the Apes movies. Yep. Um, And I just remember that he appeared in a movie called Saturday the 14th. Uh, was just sort of a a comedy <laughs> horror film that I I remember watching this movie when I was a kid and thinking it was so funny and so such a clever, kooky idea, but it has left no impression on me. Like, I actually went back to the IMDb page for this, and I was like, I don't remember a thing about this, but in my memory, this was a funny movie, so I have no idea. Maybe it was a funny movie only when you were, like, 10 years old or something when I saw it.
1: Yeah, according to IMDb, he was uh – a founding member of Second City. Oh so, yeah, um, yeah. And uh, the, the the note also says which later featured Shelley Long and George Wendt. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, probably not at the same time. <laughs> right. But he plays a sort of James Lipton type in yes, this.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah.
1: Very much that, that style of uh, drama teacher.
0: Yes. Yeah. I love I love his line reading when he's like, what will you be showing us? They're like, a scene from Othello. And he's like, challenging. 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 <laughs> like, <I> <laughs> Something about the line reading of that is just so uh. –
1: Yeah, and he also uh, puts down uh, Diane because Diane is a very bad actress. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> Shelley Long is a great actress. But Diane is a terrible actress and a terrible uh, director as well because she's staged this stuff. And when we'll see it <laughs> – I. You know, I think Andy's pretty good, but the, 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 the hand gestures and that kind of stuff is so over the top. And obviously that's something that Diane put in there as director.
0: A couple of seasons uh, from now, we'll also find out that she's quite a bad dancer as well. So.
1: <laughs> but she thinks she's good. She thinks is the she thing. Is.
0: yeah. She's got a lot of heart.
1: Yeah. And her teacher, you know, mentioned, oh, I, I never pictured you as, an act, as, a, as a waitress. She says, well, don't you remember I played a a waitress in in your production of Bus Stop? (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) Which is is an interesting play for her to have been in. I don't know if you know Bus Stop, but she played a waitress, so she played uh, Elma Duckworth in that, where Mm -hmm. she has – the character has a romance with a uh, college philosophy professor. Mm. Uh, he's articulate and you know, he can't really hold his position. Or he's got a resistance to authority, whatever. But it's it's a little bit like her setup uh, in, in the, the final pilot episode
0: with her relationship yeah. with Sumner. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. And the guy has a drinking problem in the <laughs> in, in the play, um, which kind of mirrors Sam's.
0: Yeah. So yeah. I, I
1: think that's like. They didn't pick that out of a hat. You know, It's it uh, they may have influenced their character in the first place. Who knows?
0: Yeah, who knows? Yeah,
1: Because I think the writers are pretty literate.
0: Yeah, they they, oh, they definitely are. And actually, they, they name drop another play that she was in earlier in the episode. She mentions that she was in Tiny Alice, which I don't know much about other than I know it was written by Edward Albee, who also yeah. did Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf.
1: Yeah, which is probably my favorite modern play
0: of all time. Yeah. Well, oh. not of all time, but modern, <laughs> of modern <laughs> yeah. times. Yeah. Um so but the whole thing is that uh Andy goes in the bathroom to get his his uh costume on, but he confesses that he loves Diane and she's kind of not understanding and she says, I love you too, but as a friend, and then when uh, and he comes back. He catches Sam and Diane, like, flirting and, like, kissing and talking about what their plans for the night. And he is just completely devastated by this. He's like, you, I saw you kiss her." And she's like, yeah, we've been going out. He's like, but I love you. And he doesn't understand. And she has to kind of explain it and break it down for him. And I just love it. She's like, she's like, do you understand? Are you okay? And he's like, it's okay. And he's just kind of playing with the pool balls on the table, like, not looking at her. And he's like, I'll, I'll use it. Yeah, I'll use it in my – he- yeah. And he looks at her and he's like, Yes, she must die else she betray more men. And she's like, Wonderful.
1: <laughs> yeah. Using it is I, I think one of my favorite things because uh I don't know if you've ever seen the I mean, it's a Canadian show, so maybe not, but there's a uh a three season, six episode per season show called Slings and Arrows.
0: I've heard of it, yeah.
1: It's got Paul Gross in mm-hmm. the leading role. Uh and it it takes place at the uh, Stratford well, I mean the it's a it's not the real festival, but it's the Stratford Shakespeare Festival in Ontario, uh, and uh, more just under another name. Mark McKinney is one of the writers and actors in it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it's awesome. I, it's one of my favorite things in the world. <laughs> and one of the things that they keep saying, anytime somebody feels something, any you know, some sort of disagreement with the the. the whatever play they're putting on or there's something weird, you know, I broke my foot or whatever. It's like, everybody says, use it, use it, whatever it is, use it. Oh, I feel sick. Use it. And it's, it's one of the, it's kind of the, one of the recurring gags in that, that, in that show. So uh, to to hear it here way before uh, Sings and Arrows, is uh
0: I feel like we should adopt that mantra for the Fire and Water Network any Use use it. <laughs> anytime uh, something is coming up, use that use that for your next podcast.
1: Yeah. So uh I, I like hearing that here and of course yeah, I mean he's uh he's psycho it's a uh, Diane's not very smart. Uh she she could have picked any play <laughs> to put on, any scene to put on. And uh she picks a murder scene. Well yeah I guess he, he's murdered someone. Use it. He's probably been told to use it. Uh, (laughs) uh, It works for him. uh, You know, at first I thought, oh, he's going to do like Macbeth or, you know, there are plenty of murderer scenes. uh, And I sort of knew when you asked me to do this and then the the show started, I sort of had had an inkling that uh, there would be like a Shakespeare scene in there. So I thought Macbeth at first. But no, it's Othello. And of course, you kind of see it coming as soon as uh, he doesn't know. he, He talks to Sam about his employee, not his girlfriend. He doesn't know. He's not in on it. So that there's going to be a jealousy. There's going to be a crush there. uh, And it's going to play out on stage and it's going to, you know, fire up his murderous impulse. You you sort of see it coming. But um, Diane's kind of slow to get there. But as soon as she starts talking about what the scene is about, she starts to slowly realize,
0: which is another one of my favorite moments in the, in the episode. <laughs> it's just that reaction that slowly dawning on her, and and the shot of him looking at her. But I'll come back to that. And but and this is just one of my favorite things in sort of in film, like having to do with like voyeurism and and spying and sort of watching something that you shouldn't necessarily be privy to. Um, which is why like, you know my favorite Hitchcock movie is Rear Window. Um, but I also love it in you know, theatrical production stage plays of a sort of a play within a play type of situation or a scene within a scene. So I kind of like that they do that, like you have that that type of separation where, you know, the characters are watching something and you become aware of yourself as a viewer watching characters watch something else. Um, I'm always just sort of fascinated by that relationship within the storytelling and and how that you know works through multi layers of actors. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it comes to with you know he, she she does realize right before they start her scene that oh. Maybe I did, maybe I did, you know, maybe this was a big mistake. And maybe when he said, like, he was, he was in love with me, like, this, this could, I, I could be putting my head in the lion's mouth here. So she tries to end the scene quickly and everybody, like, can, you know, rushes her to get back into it. And Sam is, like, coaching her. And naturally, like once he, uh, once Andy starts delivering his monologues, and he starts choking her, and she's like resisting and everything, and Ed Coach is the one person who's like, "Are you sure we should?" Be? And and simply like, not, <laughs> hey, you do know how mad she would be if I stop this, and, and, and when she actually resists and like pushes him off, the 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 Professor Dewitt, he's like, "I love it, a Desdemona that fights back."
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it, that actually. Uh, had my I I was like thinking hmm how does that work does that work does that work with the text <laughs> my my mind immediately went there I do a little too much Shakespeare analysis uh, in daily life
0: <laughs> well she is uh, I mean does the character is kind of like a wallflower I I don't think they I mean maybe more modern depictions of her would give her a little bit more agency and a little bit more struggle but. I don't know if like up until that point, like it would be like a stretch to say that she just sort of.
1: Yeah, normally she doesn't. I yeah. mean, she she loves him so much that she allows this to happen because yeah. it is his will. Uh, so it's you know her tragedy is that she she has no agency and doesn't want any agency. All right. So it's not a great play for women. <laughs> Let's say no. no. The tragedies aren't, off, you know, the comedies are great for women in Shakespeare. Mm. The tragedies, not so much. The the women are very often underwritten and uh, uh, meet bad ends. Right, right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it's still a, a funny moment, dark but a funny moment when uh, the the you know the drama coach. Kind of loves that, and it's like, <laughs> right. and you can tell he's oh he's gonna put it in his next production of Othello, <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly, exactly, yeah. And it culminates with her pushing Andy off enough that she gets her win. And she's like, help this psycho's trying to kill me, and that they and uh, coach is like, that's the only line from Shakespeare I ever understood. And when Andy starts building, I saw you kissing Sam. I saw you kissing Sam. He's like screaming at that. That's when they kind of like, hey, wait a minute, that's not a line that Shakespeare wrote. <laughs> like, and they they like they pull him off and. Like, again, with the Norman Cliff like, duo, like, pulling him off and, and their physical bits. Well, finally. Bits. And, yeah, yeah, finally they're heroes. They, they finally are heroes. And Norm yeah. just sits on him, and that's how they subdue him. Yeah I, <laughs> yeah, I I love the,
1: the, that whole end piece because yeah. I, like the rea- I like the reaction to the play. I mean, they've been – she shut off the TV. They can't watch their fight, but they're, they're still game for this. I think they've been – exposed to Diane long enough now that this sort of stuff now happens in Cheers. Yeah. And it's still a bar atmosphere. They're, they're throwing popcorn <laughs> at her, and, but it, they're still interested, Yeah, you know, or cool. whatever they're interested. And one of my favorite, favorite moment in that, in that bit comes from Norm, uh, who, when, when, uh, they coax Diane back into, okay, play the damn scene, you know, stop stalling, play the scene. And she goes, um, will you come to bed? uh that you come to bed, my lord yeah something like that yeah. and um norm goes Woo, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's such a you know a normie well yeah uh pun intended but i guess uh you know the the, the muggle reaction to, <laughs> right. to the, oh yeah yeah uh as if it were a sex joke i, I guess it sort of is but um right. <laughs> i love that moment because it's so real it right. feels so real right. again it's humor but it's you know, everybody's reacting to it. This actually happened. It feels
0: like something Norm would do. I love it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, after they get Andy subdued and like they're trying to calm everything down, of course Carla just goes up tonight. She's like, "What time's the next show?"
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> try to get her killed.
0: Yeah, exactly. Try, try to get her killed uh, once again. Yeah.
1: Another osmosis, Diane osmosis thing that we haven't mentioned that happens earlier is Sam makes a joke about Shakespearean couplets. You know Elizabethan oh, yeah. couplets yeah, he goes in and he says, oh yeah, is are we going about to start now because uh, if, if this crowd doesn't get any Elizabethan couplets soon, uh, <laughs> they're gonna, you know, gonna they're run. gonna tear up the place. Uh, so, uh, that comes out of nowhere for Sam in a way, but I mean he's been exposed to Diane for a while. He's right. dating Diane. they've probably discussed this or he's heard the terms during this week. You know, since the, they, do, they are having an affair, I'm not a big fan of them as a couple. I like it as I like it better when it's the will they, won't they? What we actually referred to for a long time as the Sam and Diane. Mm-hmm. Whenever it happened in other shows, it was still a Sam and Diane. Yeah. Today we just go with the will they, won't they? Every generation has their own version, I guess. The the Ross and Rachel, the, right, right, know. right. Um, but in the 80s it was it was a Sam and Diane. I still call it that to this day. But but when they're together, I'm. Uh, I I, I I don't like that energy as much.
0: Right. I I think the writers knew that it's still a will-they-won't-they relationship, but the question is, will they or won't they break up? Um, This is one of the few episodes where there isn't a lot of that like challenge to their to their coupling together like within like the, the context of this episode there's no real threat internal or external to their being a couple <laughs> the, the, the threat comes from something completely different like they are a pretty a pretty unified couple in this other than just not having the same take on how how safe andy is to be around
1: yeah but uh you know you've also got uh diane vandalizing the bar and right. putting your <laughs> initials on there um does he get it fixed or does Rebecca see it eventually? Uh, I can't remember. Probably not. That would be a pretty deep cut a yeah. few seasons later. I,
0: I have a feeling after their split at the end of the season that he probably got rid of that, that he probably like, yeah. you know, carved that piece of wood out of the bar or something like that. But Yeah. Yeah, I mean, despite the fact that like the the centerpiece of the episode is a murder attempt by a conv- by an ex convict like who's been uh, convicted of manslaughter and everything like, despite that very serious dramatic moment, it is it's just a really funny, really effective episode. So there's just so much to love about it, and and so much of it just hinged on on the performances of the main characters and the guests in this one. Yeah, I, I did want to
1: give a uh, some praise to to uh, Derek McGrath who plays Andy because. You sort of talked about his other roles last time around, but he is a Canadian actor and he's a much more recognizable face here especially going into the 2000s where he he can play older professor types sort of thing. So, yes, he was on My Secret Identity. I think you mentioned that. Um, More recently, uh, he had like long running roles for seasons at a time as main cast member on – there's a medical drama called Doc they was on, uh, on Little Mosque in the Prairie, uh, which uh, takes place in Saskatchewan. (laughs) So he's more recognizable here than, than in the States.
0: Certainly. Yeah, I I mean, I I do think I mentioned this on his previous episode. Like, he's, he has a long, pretty uh, pretty solid body of work. It's just stuff that I'm not familiar with. Yeah, it's like, on I, this side
1: of the border, you know. Right, he's right. from Ontario. Uh, although, on your side and still on, let's say, on my side of fandom, uh, he did play a Bolian on Star Trek Voyager and had, like, a couple of episodes. He played Chell, who was, like, a Maquis member of – I know people who <laughs> watch Star Trek – Know what I'm talking about, but um, <laughs> but yeah. So to me, a recognizable figure, but it's not like I watched any of the, those shows, you know, any kind of religiously or anything.
0: <laughs> sure, sure. But, um, okay. So, uh, any final thoughts on this episode before we get into the other categories? Uh, well, you know, I'm I'm always
1: happy to see highbrow stuff in a lowbrow situation, like a, well, a sitcom, but right. you know, in the bar in the sitcom, so. Diane always brings that, but uh, here, you know, there's actually a scene of Shakespeare, which is one of my particular loves. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was quite happy to see it. You know, one of the jokes, let's say, that we didn't really mention about that uh, is in the the stalling part of Diane's uh, spiel. Where uh, where she's going? Um, where so she, she's making it clear that Othello got it wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah all of that stuff. You, you, you know, he's not. He'll be he, sick she's of, not cheating on him. He's he's, he's going to feel terrible about that in the morning. Yeah, he'll be he'll be sick about it in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is such a an, an under my You know, uh, sort of understatement uh, about that tragedy that uh, I, I loved it.
0: Yeah, that that contrast, like the bringing that highbrow. Elitist, educated, uh, like atmosphere into this this kind of lowbrow, blue-collar uh, location seemed to just be sort of like what the kind of the, the foundation of the comedy in this show. I mean, that's that's the whole point of Diane when she comes in uh, from the first episode. But they continue I mean, like, they continuously bring in new characters like that, with the introduction Fraser. of Frazier in season three yeah. and then Lilith. And then like they just keep on doing that. They always had these characters that mash up. Like you wouldn't you wouldn't think of them being part of this world. But that that contrast of really smart and really sort of simple just made it work. And and yeah it definitely shows that the the writers were really really smart and they knew how to they knew how to get really smart dialogue out of characters that maybe shouldn't have been that smart but yeah it works um, okay, so getting into our other categories for Norm's tab, as you pointed out, he got a lot of mileage out of that little conveyor during during the break between the boxing rounds. Uh, I counted him as having seven beers in this episode, um, which for the whole series, the first season and four episodes now, is 117 beers. For our superlatives, the first one, the employee of the month, who was your MVP, either dramatically or comedically, who did you think was the star of this episode?
1: Well, despite some, uh, some assists from Cliff, it's – to be its norm. Yeah. <laughs> there are so many good jokes. It always comes back to him. Uh, we, we didn't even mention the, the bit where after the, after the hold holdup, uh, he removes his jacket <laughs> and he's like sweating like a pig. Yeah, the pig uh, stains
0: is, that are just like going all the way down. Giant, yeah.
1: yeah. And it's like, uh, is this uh, trickle noticeable, Cliff? Yeah, <laughs> That kind of stuff. Uh, he gets comedy beats all the way through. Uh, and some of my favorite moments, and even some moments that I'm feeling is like I was kind of unscripted. Like even when the moment that I don't think is particularly good, where he says, "Oh, you're gonna laugh," uh, you know, Andy says, "You're gonna laugh if I'm if I tell you my dream." And uh, no, no, we won't laugh. And then he says uh, he wants to be an actor, and of course they laugh. Now that's pretty telegraphed. It's not a, it's not a great joke, but the fact that they sort of try to swallow it. And uh, Norm turns to Cliff and he says – he says, God bless you, Cliff. (laughs) And I was like, oh, God bless you, As if we were just choking. So just these little moments that just like add a little bit. George Wendt is doing a lot uh, with a little, let's Mm -hmm. say. And at the end of the episode, they get to be – the you know, they they were uh, real chicken shits at the beginning. But (laughs) at the end – they go and they subdue Andy, and this is an Andy that doesn't want to get caught. Right, this, this is, is the Andy one who is
0: actually trying to murder somebody in front of them, yeah, and he's gone berserk.
1: He's you know he's lights out. Yeah. So um, to me, that he's he's the he's the hero of the piece. He's my favorite employee, of, if you will, or. Patron.
0: That's a good that's a good choice. Uh I went with more obvious and I almost gave it to Andy as the guest star just because of like the sort of range he goes from. Just from like at the beginning when Diane goes to the bar and she's like, Sam, do you recognize him? And it shows Andy and he does this little wave with just the fingers. Like the twinkling little fingers I and mean, like the smile and everything to you know how pathetic he is when he can't get work to his murderous rage and just he's just a, a A wonderful little guest character that I—he was so good in his first appearance, and he, like, it it could have been a—it could have been a real problem bringing him back and and making that work. But I think he was just—he was so good in like the the new revelations they gave him, but. Ultimately, I just think everything, everything that Diane does in this, is like lifting the the heavy load and everything, of just like the the performance and her reactions to everything is just, if yeah, I, I went with the obvious choice, but I I do think like Diane really shines in this one too. So
1: she's always good.
0: Yeah, she she is. She, um, but I liked did I liked your choice of Norm too because I probably wouldn't have thought of that, but it is he's he is good every for not having that much to do. He does a lot with it. So you're absolutely right yeah. there.
1: There's also that bit where I mean it's more Cliff in a way, but when uh, she says, oh, uh, uh, well, I don't think I need to explain the play to, uh, to the professor, <laughs> yeah. but for the rest of you, and they're going, oh, well, yeah, we're dumb. You know, they, <laughs>
0: right. they, who they do you think she's talking to? You, yeah.
1: yeah, especially Cliff, who is like, you know, the trivia master. Right, right. Whether we believe in his trivia or not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so for the home runs, either the most uh, dramatic or most comedic, whatever your highlight of the episode was, um, I've got two, and we kind of alluded to both of them. For, well, the The first one that jumps out is just that the moment where, Sam, Carla, and Coach take down Andy, and like two seconds later, Norman Cliff just now, and they like spring into action. They get like halfway, like, oh yeah, it's taken care of. It. It's lucky him they got to him first. But the other one that the more I think about it, like this is one that I, m- I might even like this this moment more. It's when Diane is explaining the play to them, to the audience, and everything, and she's describing the scene, the strangulation of Desdemona, and how you know her the, her lover. ...believes that she has been unfaithful... ...and he comes into in this jealous rage... ...and you see it click... ...as she is describing this... ...you see it sort of dawn on her... ...this, oh my god, what have I done... <laughs> ...and she looks back at Andy... ...and it's just the shot of him... ...with his arms folded... ...staring at her... And you see fire in his eyes, like I, like you just look at him, like that look on his eyes was just "I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to enjoy it." And for some reason, it is just hilarious. I just love that moment that her her realizing what it is and looking at him, and it was just intense stare is great. Yeah. Well, I mentioned a lot of my
1: favorite moments, uh, and I think my 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 true favorite is that moment where. Uh, Norm goes, woo, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, about the possibility of sex in this place. Uh, but that's my true favorite moment. But actually, I decided I have to give it to the one moment that I actually laughed out loud. Mm-hmm. So I think I thought the episode was over. You know, the laughs are over. I've I've enjoyed what I was going to enjoy. And Carla comes in and says, uh, <laughs> what time's the second show? It's such a throwaway. Yeah. <laughs> I burst out laughing. So I decided, OK, that's when Ryan asks me. That's what I'm going to say. It's that it's that line nice. uh, because it's the one that that just broke me.
0: <laughs> that's good. Good. All right. Cool. Well, um, yeah. Homicidal Ham, is a really fun episode. Uh, and thank you very much for uh, helping me discuss this one. Where else can people find you on the Fire and Water Network or in the blogosphere, Cisco? Right? Yeah, well, if uh, you like reading,
1: that may, that may be your thing. Uh, I do still write, in a, you know, an article a day at Cisco's blog of geekery that's easily Googleable, and uh, on the this fire on the Fire and Water Network. Well, I got a podcast every week. Uh, And uh, it varies. So there's uh, FW Team Up, there's uh, Give Me That Star Trek, there's uh, Ohatmu or not. Um, I'm sure I'm I'm forgetting some. So, you know, upcoming Zero Hour, if that ever happens. People keep announcing it, but it's like, yeah, (laughs) Bas and I are having trouble getting together, but it's about to happen to replace the Invasion podcast. So, uh, yeah, I'm around.
0: Well, again, thank you very much for being on this particular episode. Listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in to Cheerscast. Please support the show on Facebook and Twitter, and as always, you can leave a comment on the website post at fireandwaterpodcast.com. And until next time, we're closed. What's the matter? You kissed him. I saw you.
1: Oh, oh, that's all right. I guess it's no secret around here. Sam and I have sort of a thing going.
0: But, but I love you, and you said you love me. Oh dear. No, well,
1: see, I I was speaking as a friend. If I gave you any other impression, I'm sorry. Really sorry. I do love you as a friend, okay? Sure. You're not upset?
0: No, no.
1: You're not angry
0: with me? That's okay. I'll use it in my performance. <laughs> <laughs> Yet, she must die. (laughs) Else she betray more men.
1: Wonderful. (laughs) That was perfect. Put out the light. And then, put out the light.